Hey guys, get ready. Looking Up is about to start. up with Danny, Sharissa and Shell and it's good to be back with you all. How are you today Pastor Danny? I'm praising the Lord my friend and looking up looking and up it's on a, uh, wet- on a, on a wet grey <laughs> Wednesday afternoon here in Newcastle but yes. the Lord is good and above the clouds his love is shining on us. Amen and it's good to be back um, we had a little break, Shell and I did, and uh, you had to have a break because we did. The Rona found us. <laughs> You're sounding really good. I'm feeling Charissa. a lot better. You're sounding Shell, good. You're looking well. Yeah, Shell is sounding. She's sounding. She's sounding, <laughs> and she's never looked 
worse. No, she's <laughs> never looked better. No. No, she's so, on the road to you know, the cabinet. You know what? If if that was me, I would I would be like still saying, "Oh, I'm not the best." You know, like yeah. typical guy. You know what I mean? We kind of like. Well, but no, she's been at it. She was here on Monday morning when I was here for the breakfast wow. show, filling in for Lyle. How's Lyle doing? Did he get the Rona too? Oh, yeah, right, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He didn't want to miss out. Yeah, today's his last day in um, isolation. Yeah. Oh, poor Lyle. poor Lyle. Well, it's good to be back with all of you. And uh, as always, this is a live program, so we really want to hear from our listeners. And if at any point you have a comment or a question you'd like to contribute to our discussion, the number to call us or text, not call, text. Text us on 04888-17624. And today, Pastor Danny, what what will we be talking about? Well, today we're going to be taking a look at the second half of the second angel's message in Revelation 14, where God unrolls, unpacks the everlasting gospel, his final message of love to the world. So we looked at the first half the last time we were here, and now we're going to look at the second half. So we'll do a bit of recap um, before we plunge into the second half, but it's uh, pretty full on. It's pretty full on. Just giving everyone a heads up. It's going to be huge, Ooh. huge, huge, huge. You sound like Donald Trump. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be huge, but that's good. We're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And a reminder to all of you that if you want to ever catch up on one of these programs, you can simply go to the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. And you can click on the podcast section and you can listen to Looking Up as a Podcast. Very exciting. And, of course, if you don't have the app, I would definitely recommend you download, put that on your phone, because then you can have access to Faith FM, regardless of if you have access to a satellite or to a radio tower that would give it to you. So, yeah, definitely get the app. Well, we're looking forward to this. We are going to be listening to Jimmy Rogers uh, bring to us a a song. It's called It Is No Secret. I happen to really like this song. Mm. When we come back after listening to this song, we're going to be talking about current events in light of Bible prophecy. So stay with us and don't go anywhere. The chimes of time ring out the news Another day is through Someone slipped and fell Was that someone you? You may have long for added strength Your courage to renew Do not be disheartened, for I bring hope to you. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. secret what God can do
Just take him at his promise. Don't run away and hide. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. It is no secret what God can do. What God can do. I love that song. It is no secret what God can do. You're Amen. listening to Looking Up. Pastor Danny, we want to talk about current events right now in light of you know Bible prophecy and that Jesus is coming soon. So what would you like to uh, oh, share today? Boy, that's a tough one. There are so many different different elements here that I have um, on my little bit of scrap piece of paper, and we'll try and get through as many as we can in this little segment. But really, yeah, the world is um, the world is spiraling more and more out of control in every area, shall we say, be it morally, be it spiritually. I guess that's sort of one and the same in many ways. Be it politically. Be it economically, you know, there is it's it's just a it's just an incredibly challenging world that is upside down, um, and the GPS system is is well and truly in the depths of the sea, you know, of, of how we of how we live life. So, just want to just want to look at a couple of things. Firstly, um, I think most uh, folk have, if they haven't really been tracking it, they've certainly heard of this. Um, this latest abortion um, episode there in the United States of America. It's obviously a hot-button issue over there. It's a hot-button issue in, in many parts of the West where abortion has been legalized for a number of years now. And for the first time in United States Supreme Court history, mm-hmm. the uh, it was you know the the judgment or the ruling that was to be to take place in the next couple of months or so from what we were told was leaked by mm. someone within the Supreme Court, by, by one of the clerks, one of the Supreme Court clerks. First time in U.S. Supreme Court history. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is not something that happens. From, big. It's big. This news. is big. This yeah. is huge. And um, anyway, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot that can be said regarding that. But one of the things has been uh, the, the response, the mm. response from government to begin with, where the government, um, the United States government, the president and and those in you know in his inner circle uh, have have almost almost condoned the behaviour of protesters, those who are against you know abortion. Um, that Roe versus Wade abortion case from 1973 that you know paved the way for abortion throughout the entire United States for that to be repealed. Mm. Um, it's against the law. It's clearly against the law for citizens to go and to protest at the home of a Supreme Court justice. I saw them doing it's it. It's against the law, but they're doing it. And yeah. so, and the, and the government, 
the president and the government, they're condoning this behavior. Mm. Um, this is clearly illegal, but they're saying, well, you know, as long as they do it peacefully and, you know, they've got a right, they're upset, da di da da but it's against the law. You know what I mean? Um, regardless of what your reasoning may be, it is against the law. So it's interesting to see how, how that has been, you know, how a blind eye is turned toward that, whereas other things like, you know, people protesting when it comes to, you know, some of the vaccination mandates and what happened in Canada, um, a completely different story. So that really is an eye-opener um, as to, you know, as to, as, to where, as to where governments can and cannot be. And the same goes for every, every nation on the planet. And we're dealing with obviously sinful human beings. But, you know, we talk about justice. We talk about equity and fairness. And sadly, unless it comes from the heavenly courts above, we cannot expect that in the here and now. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we need to continue to pray for our government leaders. Absolutely. The Bible clearly tells us that. And we're in the midst of a, an, election. an election right now, you know, in less than two weeks, you know, God willing, we will know who our prime minister is, who, yes. you know, uh, what party will be leading our nation. But we really need to be praying for our political leaders because they're under so much pressure from various lobby groups mm-hmm. um, who may not be very big, but they wield a lot of power and with the advent of social media and the media and, you know, when the media all get together or the majority of them and they're pushing one narrative, you can really, really be on the outer if you're seeking to do the right thing and stand up for what's right. So, so that's been a real eye-opener. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, folk going into churches, mm, um, har- harassing worshippers, vandalizing, yeah, vandalizing church uh, property, vandalizing, you know, some of these um, counseling centers where they simply, you know, provide a service for mothers who are not sure what to do with their babies. Um, you know, it, it's, it's non offensive, it's voluntary. And these places are being, you know, they're, they're, they're they're being um, ransacked or mm-hmm. they're being firebombed and so on and so forth. And the police are literally just standing by and the government's not saying anything. Mm. And yet, you know, hey, anyway. It's very I, strange I can, times you know, to live it's, in. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, yeah. Highlights that the, change, the changes of this world and of society are highlighting to us that we are fast approaching the return of Jesus. We're in a state that the world, that Jesus said the world would be in before mm. he returns. By the way, if anyone is listening and you want to contribute or ask a question, please text us on 048-17624. Do you have something else you want to add? Um, oh, yeah, well, this? my sister. I don't know if my sister's listening from, from <laughs> Queensland, Lydia. Um, she often listens in. But she's sent me a couple of, um, couple of interesting items. Yes. And that is um, in Victoria, historic day. Um, as of yesterday, I didn't. I missed this, but she sent this to me. Street-based sex work becomes legal in Victoria. Wow! So I didn't hear that anywhere either. Yeah, I know. I, it, it, yeah, Shell's nodding. I think she she came across it. Um, but wow. it's interesting. Outside of outside of um, you know, close to churches and schools and maybe one or two other places, but yeah sexual um, work or sex work as they call it is now legal in, in Victoria and um, you know that's legal and that's okay mm. in Victoria but it's not okay if someone comes to me or to anyone and and wanting to follow God when it comes to how they conduct themselves when it comes to you know their 
their way of um, how can I put this? How can I put this nicely? Um, <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> well, you know, if someone comes, if if someone has been living outside of God's will when it comes to how they're functioning in their sexual life, um, and they want to live in harmony with what God's plan and God's will is, and they come to me and they ask me for prayer, and I pray for them and I give them counsel based on God's word and and encourage them to follow God's way, which is the best way, I can be prosecuted. That's right. So I can be prosecuted for praying for someone mm. who comes to me who wants to follow God's will, but at the same time, this same state is making laws that are completely opposed to God's plan and God's will, which are there to, you know, promote the destruction of, of genuine you know, of genuine intimacy, of genuine family life and so on and so forth. Clearly there and out in the open, out clearly, in the street. Yeah. I mean Clearly, lawmakers understand that prayer works, <laughs> or that prayer is powerful, because <laughs> yeah, so. uh, they're worried if you pray. You know, I just think of this verse. You know, of, in Matthew twenty-four, Jesus said, "And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold." We're seeing the lawlessness in society. Uh, that's lawlessness being an, a departure from God's law of love and liberty, and men doing whatever mm, you know, absolutely. mankind doing whatever we want to do. Uh, we're seeing the love of many grow cold towards one another, and uh, it's yeah, really sad. It is very sad. Um, on a on a on, on a different note, but once again, just we've just, got a lot of notes to hit. <laughs> <laughs> this was really interesting. This caught my attention. Um, someone sent me through. Uh, there's um, a British influencer in um, the UK in London, and his name is Ollie London. Ollie uh-huh. London. And Ollie London claims to be Korean. Um, he's not Korean, but he. we have a new term. You know, we've heard of transgender. There's a new term called transracial. Have you heard of transracial? No, I haven't. No, you haven't. I knew this would be news to you. This was news to me. Shelly's smiling because um, she came across this. Transracial, where regardless of what your, you know, what your ethnic background is, you can change. And so this guy... This guy, Oli London, um, he, he's been to Korea, he loves Korea, and um, he's, he's spent thousands of dollars to look like this K-pop star, this Korean pop star, Jimin, who I just heard of this week, from the Korean boy band BTS. Have you heard of the Korean boy no, band I BTS? No, I haven't, but that's the, not a surprise. <laughs> uh, these guys are huge. These okay. guys are huge. Uh, Lawson was telling me he okay. was a fan well, he once would upon know. a time. He would yeah, know. Yeah, he was a fan once upon a time. Um, <laughs> anyway, these guys are massive. They're like, you know, that they, yeah. Anyway, we won't go into that. But anyway, um, so he's been taken to task by this unnamed black woman who branded him as a, as a white saviour, as someone... Hmm. You know, who who has no right, no right to claim that he's Korean because he's not Korean. And he's like, Well, why can't I be Korean? So um so now we can have someone like me, if I want to be like um Asian, I can say I'm a transracial, you know. Ah, I'm not from a European isn't that background. Interesting. So I'm transracial, there's transgender. And um someone on the <laughs> morning show, uh, yep. the wonderful morning show, that Faith FM Breakfast show, they texted in on Monday. And they want to be trans slender. <laughs> trans slender. That's clever. They're not, but they want to be trans slender. So, um, yeah. you know, there is a good way to be trans slender, mm-hmm. and that is to follow a plant based diet and exercise Amen. Amen. and drink lots of water, and you'll be trans slender in no time. That's my <laughs> tip for the day.
Um, anyway, um, so do you have anything else? There was there was one other good news story. No, you tell a good news story. All right, okay. This come. is from Pastor John Sherwood. We mentioned this uh, last year. Remember that, that street preacher in the UK? Like they've got a soapbox there, a soapbox tradition where the – where individuals, anyone can get up on their soapbox in the middle of London, wherever they want to, and talk about whatever they want. Anyway, this street preacher last year was arrested for simply preaching from the Bible. Hmm. He was preaching from Genesis 1. I think I remember we talked yeah, about this. Yeah, we talked this. about this, yes. yes. So he was preaching from Genesis 1 where it says that, you know, God in the beginning created, you know, man, he created Man, in his image, he created him male and female in God's image, and he told them to be fruitful and multiply. So it's just simply reading scripture, mm-hmm. and um, and he was arrested um, on the basis that you know his comments were seen as homophobic hate speech. Mm. That was last year in April. Now he was acquitted. Twelve months later, a court. Um, acquitted him, and so he. Well, that's good news. Praise the Lord for that. Absolutely. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah, he was, you know, he was just sharing as a pastor from from the UK, and um, but praise the Lord, he was acquitted of that. But it just shows us once again, this guy is just simply quoting the scriptures. Mm-hmm. He's quoting what we have believed for the last six millennia mm-hmm. that God indeed created male and female in His own image. Mm-hmm. We are both in His own image, and He said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, have children. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not rocket science that no. only men and women together can, can have children. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can't two men cannot procreate, neither can two women procreate. It's impossible. So what God has told us, what we've believed all along, is no longer considered to be just simple truth being shared now, it's considered to be homophobic hate speech. Mm, it's amazing, isn't it? So praise Speaking the Lord of, for his uh, word. and um, Absolutely. But, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, even if people listening didn't agree with that position, with the biblical, um, you know, story and with the biblical, uh, <laughs> I don't know the word to say, but anyway, if they don't agree with the Bible, you know, you should still be allowed to voice your opinion. Like absolutely. everybody should be able to speak and to share what they think, which is why it's been interesting watching uh, what's happening with Twitter also. Oh, yes. Tell e- us about e- that. Well, you know how Elon Musk bought Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now everybody is, some people are really excited about it because it means they get a voice mm-hmm. because they've been silenced and they've been mm-hmm. cancelled. Uh, a la Mr. Trump. Yes. <laughs> and now other people are really panicking because it means that other views are going to be shared. Oh, no, pity. But I appreciate that. Elon Musk is actually mm. saying, hey, it should be for everybody. Amen. No matter what you think, Amen. everybody should have a, a voice in this public square kind of space. So, yeah, we're all for uh, freedom. Freedom of religion. Freedom, <laughs> freedom of, of, As long as you're not harming someone. That's right. um, but, yeah, freedom is how God created us from the very beginning. That's the way to be. Well, we are going to listen to a beautiful song. The Wonderful Cross, and it's by Simple Hymns, actually. It's coming to us featuring Pat Barrett. And we will come back after the news with our Bible study mm-hmm. and some more details on free offers. So Amen. come and stay with us.
God is everywhere. He exists inside and outside of time and space. But often we see him manifest himself within time and space to interact with his people. Someone who is outside of time and space can't interact with those inside time and space, right? You can't even perceive what it's like to be outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. But God here, he shows himself manifesting into his creation and then coming down to his people. Who is this coming down for? Is it for God? No. It's got to be for the people. I believe it's for the people. But also, God often does an investigation, and then following that, he passes judgment. The question comes up, does God need an investigation? No. No, he knows, right? Yeah. Who is the investigation for? For us. It's for us. But also, I believe, for the rest of the universe. Join us weekday mornings on The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. The Breakfast Show, 7 till 9, weekday mornings. Be there. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Look And uh, we want to thank you too. Some of you have been sending in some comments, which we've been enjoying here uh, during our little break just now. We want to, first of all, before we get into our Bible study, just make you all aware of some exciting news. There is a prize giveaway for the first six people to text in the code word for today. We won't give you the code word just yet, so stay tuned. You might want to write the number down so you can be in the running for this. 04888-17624. The free prize for the first six people who text in the code word is a book by Steve Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. And this is a book you might have already read, I don't know, but it's called The 666 Beast Identified. Ooh, that's no, why I haven't we, read that one, but that's that is why an we have six subject. copies. <laughs> um, so yes, this is based on a Bible verse in Revelation 13, where it talks about the number of the beast. His number is six six six. If you're interested in knowing more about this, you will want to be in the running for this book. So, I think we're ready, Pastor Danny, to dive we into our study. We are ready to dive into our I'm study ready. as we as we continue this journey that we started. Not last week, because last week we had the week off, didn't we? We did. Because, um, yeah, you were not well. You had the Rona. <laughs> and um, so we are ready, ready to continue. And um, so what we'll do is we'll have a prayer, and mm-hmm. then we'll get right into it. Eh? So if you want to have a prayer, Charissa. Sure. 
Our loving Father in heaven, thank you that we have the opportunity to study the Bible. Just now we invite your Holy Spirit to be with us, to guide us, and to bless us uh, and our listeners. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right. If our listeners who are at home have a Bible handy, I'd encourage you to pull it out so that you can follow along with us. There will be some scriptures that we will just simply um, allude to, others that we'll read quickly that we've already pre-prepared, but there'll be scriptures that we'll be actually reading from our Bibles, um, some of the key scriptures. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to pull it out so that you can follow along. You may want to take notes. Also, this is probably a subject, if you haven't heard this before or if you're not very familiar with it, you may want to hear again and again. At least on one or two more occasions, you'll want to hear this because um, this material, um, th- there's a lot involved, Sharissa, and unless unless you're reasonably well familiar, it's not easy to grasp it at first sight, So, um, or first sound, I should say, mm-hmm. for our listeners. So you may want to, yeah, pen and paper, and you can listen to it again because you can go to our Faith FM uh, website or Sorry? you can go to, well, the Faith FM app. And right there on the Looking Up, we put up all the programs after they have been aired. So you'll be able to listen to this. So what we'll do, Sharissa, is we're going to go straight to the second angel's message, which is in Revelation 14. And Revelation 14, we have discovered, contains God's final message of love to the world. It's referred to as the everlasting gospel in verse 6 that Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 14, needs to go to the whole world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. So here in Revelation 14, we have the gospel that Jesus spoke about, but in an end-time context. And it's described as three angels flying in the midst of heaven, these three messages. We've discovered that an angel is a messenger Mm -hmm. from God. So these three all-important messages from God to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus. Because when these three angels have concluded their messages, the next event in Revelation 14 is the second coming of Jesus. That's right. The two groups. Mm -hmm. One group are saved, one group are sadly lost. So it would be then logical to conclude that these messages prepare a harvest. Absolutely. They prepare people for the coming of Jesus. That's right. And the harvest um, is described there in verses 14 to 20 of Revelation 14. You know, Jesus is coming with a sickle. Because the harvest is ripe. So it uses that very language. So just in brief, in case you're joining us for the first time, or just to recap, these three angels' messages can really be summarized um, in six words. You know, The first angel's message, God reveals to us his truth. So God's truth is the first angel's message. The second angel's message, uh, God, um, God unveils Satan's lies. You know, he unmasks Satan for who he is. So let's call it Satan's lies. And the third angel's message, God says, it's your choice. So we have we have the choice in the third angel's message. And I love how you distill the whole thing down to those six words. Yeah. Even a child can understand Even that. a child can understand. So, nice and simple. So we're going to be continuing to look at the second angel's message. And... Um, So we've looked at the first angel's message. If you've missed any of those, you can go to the Faith FM app and they're all there for you to listen to, to be able to catch you up. If you'd like to read verse 8, so we'll begin in verse 8. Revelation 14, verse 8. This is the second angel's message. Mm -hmm. 
The Bible says, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay, so here, the Bible here uses the code name for this end time system that opposes God and his truth and his people as Babylon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the last time we were together, we discovered um, there are seven different elements or seven different stages of Babylon. That was very interesting. So the first one, you know, the Tower of Babel is is where that name originates from. The second one was, you know, the Babylon of Hammurabi, which was around the time of Abraham, around that period of time. And then we have what's known as the Neo-Babylonian Empire um, under Nebuchadnezzar and the ancient Babylonian kingdom. And you can read about that in the book of Daniel in particular. Then we have pagan Rome as Babylon. Peter Mm -hmm. mentions Babylon as a code name for Rome. Yes. Then we have Papal Rome as Babylon. Spiritual Babylon. Spiritual Babylon. That's right. We have that here in the book of Revelation. And then we have Babylon in the end time, mm-hmm. which is what we're going to be looking at a little bit today um, as we take a look at that. And then we discovered that the ultimate king of Babylon is described in Isaiah 14. And there the symbol for the king of Babylon is in reference to Satan himself. Mm the one who wanted to go higher, 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 and ultimately wanted to be like God. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of Babylon, seven different points there, seven different um, elements that help us to understand what Babylon is. Mm-hmm. We also discovered the last time we were together that in Revelation, the term Babylon appears six times. Interestingly enough, that. Yeah, six times that term Babylon appears. And um, you mentioned earlier, you know, that book 666. So yeah. I don't know whether this is coincidental um, or whether God is just giving us, you know, just a little insight there that this system is not good mm-hmm. because 666 is opposed to, to God. It's, it's opposed to, you know, the plans of God and the seal of God at the end of time. And we'll look at 666 probably on another occasion. But anyway, it's interesting. This is the first time we have Babylon mentioned here. Um, that we've just read in Revelation 14, verse 8. And you, and as you read through all the passages that mention Babylon in the book of Revelation, it's almost like you're transitioning from one point to the next, to the next, to the next, where, where ultimately Babylon will be destroyed. And if you want to read that from Revelation 18, verse 21, the last time we have the mention of Babylon. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. Okay, so Babylon will be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Babylon will be destroyed. And that is why in Revelation 18, verse 4, if you'd like to read that for us, please, in Revelation 18, verse 4, God here has one final appeal at the end of the three angels' messages. This is kind of like the concluding message in Revelation 18, verse 4, what God is inviting his people to do right around the world just before Jesus comes. Yes, the Bible says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Okay, so this is a, this is a final call. And so this fourth angel, you could call it, you know, in Revelation 18, verse 1, you know, John describes this 
other angel, another angel coming down from heaven, you know, with great authority in the earth was illuminated with his glory or with the character of God. And so God's appeal to his people is to come out of Babylon, come out of that which is not true, mm-hmm. come out of that which is false. And so today in this, uh, in this study, we want to take a look at um, some, some very important elements of the second angel's message, which we didn't get an opportunity to look at the last time we were together. We mainly looked at Babylon, which we've just summarized. We want to take a look at what the wine of Babylon is. We want to take a look at this fornication um, of Babylon. We want to take a look at what does it mean that she has made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And what does it mean that Babylon is fallen is fallen? Like, mm-hmm. why does it mention that Babylon has fallen twice? Why does God repeat that? And so that's what we want to take a look at today. Okay, sounds uh, good. So with that in mind, let's take a look at this wine of Babylon. All right, let's first of all take a look at wine. Now, wine. In Scripture and today, wine is something that numbs the senses or has a, a negative impact on the mind and the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that um, Jesus, he he spoke of leaven mm-hmm. to the disciples. We won't take the time to read that passage, but it's in Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12. Uh, there Jesus said, Beware of the leaven or the yeast of the Pharisees. And he wasn't speaking of literal yeast, you know, that's used to make bread, but he was saying beware of their false teachings. And so just like yeast spreads, you know, like yeast, I guess, ferments and bread is made, when when grapes ferment, guess what is made? Wine. Wine, alcohol. And what does that do? Benumbs your your senses. Exactly. <laughs> but there are people that would say that actually a little bit of wine is good for you. There are some that would say that. But what would we say to that? What we would say is how safe is it for your mind to be be clouded even just a tiny little bit as we approach the coming of Jesus? Mm-hmm. It's not safe at all. Absolutely. And you can get the, the good benefits that they Absolutely. say wine gives you in grape juice Absolutely. without all the bad without things. Without all the side effects. But you know what? We didn't, yeah, we won't take the time to delve into that, but I was reading some research recently where they were saying that there is no safe level of alcohol wow. consumption. That's These good. are scientists that are mm-hmm. coming out with their research. They're saying there's no safe level, especially women mm-hmm. um, who are seeking to have children, seeking to fall pregnant mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, you don't want to be taking that risk. You don't want to be taking that chance. So, And why would you put something into your body that's, that's not very helpful? Now, when it comes to alcohol, this is what I discovered. Oh, I just went online today and people can do that themselves and, um, and just check this out for themselves. But there was a study... In 2019, down by the Victoria University uh, there in Melbourne. Yep. And they looked at, you know, the impact of alcohol um, here in Australia. And they, they discovered that 6% of Australia's burden of disease um, comes from alcohol-related consumption. of breast cancers, 3% of bowel cancers, 6% of cardiovascular disease, 4% of liver disease, and 34% of injuries are directly related to alcohol consumption, risky alcohol consumption, Mm -hmm. according to this study. Now, this is really fascinating. Globally, alcohol, 
or risky alcohol consumption contributes to an estimated 33% of mental illness, disease, and 22% of suicide deaths. Mm. This is globally. This mm-hmm. is phenomenal. It is. Why isn't this on the news? There's nothing pretty about any of those statistics. This is horrible. We're, we're not talking about 2 or 3%. Mm-hmm. Um, but this Victoria University study has suggested that, yeah, one-third of all mental illness, disease, the burden, comes to us as a direct result of people, you know, taking more alcohol than they should, certainly. But, you know, no, no, no level so. Anyway, check this out. In Australia, approximately 5,500 deaths in Australia and 157 hospital admissions are attributed to alcohol consumption every year. And alcohol-related harm costs the economy more than fourteen billion dollars. <laughs> you don't hear you don't hear about that in the news. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because it's not alcohol is socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we drink after sports. We you know it's socially acceptable. Not smoking. That's not socially acceptable. But alcohol is. And so, even though there's a huge financial burden, as well as not to mention the deaths and hospitalizations and marriages and da 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 da, but not spoken of. Well, without even going too much further, we kind of already have a hint that the wine of Babylon isn't it's a, not good, a thing. good thing. <laughs> so we're going to listen to Be My Shalom. Oh, that's Hebrew for Peace by Evan Croft. And then we will continue these thoughts right after this song. Be my shalom. The calm inside, the chaos that surrounds me. Peace that goes beyond my understanding mm-hmm. Be my shalom You call my name when my heart starts to wander And you shepherd me and lead me to still water. Let your spirit fall Be my comfort Let your spirit fall Be my healing Let your spirit fall I just want more I just want more Jesus Be my shalom Brings us closer as the kindness of your heart, God, wins me over. Oh, let your spirit fall, be my comfort. Let your spirit fall, be my healing. Let your spirit.
Welcome back, and we are continuing with this Bible study on the wine of Babylon. Now, we've already unpacked a clue or two about this is not going to be a good thing. We don't want the wine of Babylon, but before we do go any further, I did tell everybody there's a prize giveaway today for the first six people to text in the code word. And so I'm going to give you the code word in just a moment. A reminder that the book that you are in the running for today is entitled The 666 Beast Identified, What It Means to You by Steve Wahlberg. This mysterious Bible verse in Revelation 13, 18, which talks about the number of the beast being 666, has baffled Bible students for centuries, yet it also appeals to us to find wisdom, understanding, and correctly calculate the number of the beast, which adds up to 666. So you will want to get your hands on this book if you're interested in understanding this subject much more. The code word for today that you need to text in to the number is... T-R-U-T-H, truth. Truth, that's truth. the code word. So text the word truth to our number, 04-888-1762-4. Again, if that number is 04-888-1762-4, text the word truth. And if you're one of the first six people to do so, you're a winner. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great little book. You'll enjoy it. All right, we've been taking a look at the wine of Babylon that she makes. It says she made all the nations drink. So we're going to look at that idea of, of what it means to make and made. It's, it's, it's speaking of coercion here, speaking of force, speaking of, of manipulation. We're going to look at that as we go along. But let's just take a look at what is at the very heart of this wine problem. Of, of 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 Babylon. And let me suggest, Charissa, that the root of Babylon's false doctrine is the belief that the Bible is not the sole authority of doctrine. That's the bottom line. So for Babylon, truth and tradition can coexist. And if it comes push to shove, we will prefer tradition over truth. Or we'll prefer, you know, the ways of man, the ideas of man, the opinions of man above the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take a look at what Jesus had to say when it comes to truth versus tradition. So Matthew 15, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. And um, if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn with us right now to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15 here, um, Jesus is having a, a conversation with the religious leaders who have pulled up the disciples And they've asked Jesus, you know, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, they were washing their hands, but they were not washing them a certain way. The religious leaders had come up with, uh, you know, a tradition of how you were to wash your hands. And if you Mm -hmm. didn't wash them that way, well, you didn't wash them. So just a a, a silly tradition of theirs. And we'll pick it up in verse 3 and what Jesus has to say. So if you want to read... Verse 3 
um, all the way through to verse 9, and then we'll just take a look at a couple of points here. All right. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, what profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Okay, just pause there, Sharissa. Yep. So what's going on here? Jesus is pulling them up for a tradition that they have put in place of God's truth, in particular the fifth commandment. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus here is honing in on. And so they had come up with a tradition. They'd come up with uh, a human a human teaching whereby if you said that I'm going to give my entire estate, everything I own when I die to the temple, you no longer had an obligation to take care of your parents. <laughs> this is in a day and age when there was no Centrelink payments, mm-hmm. where there was no pensions for you know for the elderly, no like, superannuation, no superannuation, <laughs> none of that, and so elderly parents who were no longer able to support themselves and no longer able to work relied on their children to support them in their old age and to provide for them. But if you were a selfish creature, you could simply say, "I really don't care." about my parents, so how can I get out of, you know, doing anything for them, providing for them in the here and now? All I need to do is I need to go to the temple, tell the priests, when I die, my entire will goes to you, the entirety of it. I am then free from any obligation to take care of my parents. And guess what? In the eyes of the church back then, you were seen as a great person. There was no greater thing that you can do mm-hmm. than to give your entire estate to the temple mm-hmm. um, for the temple services, but you were neglecting taking care of your parents. So they'd come up with a law that actually rubbed out, scrubbed out the fifth commandment. Wow. And so Jesus pulls them up and he says, why do you transgress the commandment given by God with his own finger for the sake of your tradition. Mm -hmm. That's why he says you've made of no effect the commandment of God. Mm. Because of your tradition. Because of your tradition. Hypocrites, he goes on, verse 7. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Okay, so this is at the very heart of Babylon. Mm -hmm. When we teach the traditions of man as opposed to the commandments of God, when we put them ahead of God's commandments, that is the wine of Babylon. And the world has sadly been intoxicated by that which is tradition, that which comes from humans and and God's commandments, God's truth, God's law has been thrown out the window. So you're saying all tradition that contradicts God's word, that puts uh, man's ideas above God's word and the principles of it, that's wine? That's Babylon. That's that, Babylon. That's the wine, wine of Babylon. That's right. That's the wine of Babylon. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the word abomination um, doesn't appear here, but it appears in context of Babylon. Another passage, we're going to look at that because that's a very close cousin and that gives us some more insights. Now, when it comes to truth, we, we know that Jesus, he relied only on Scripture. Never did Jesus say, that's right. this, is, this is a tradition I'm sharing with you. It's true. 
think of that um, best example that comes to my mind is when he was in the wilderness. Exactly. It is written. It is written. It is, it written. is written. Yeah, three times. And then he begins his ministry in, um, you can read about it in Luke chapter 4, you know, verses 16 to 21. He begins his ministry by turning to the book of Isaiah mm-hmm. and he says, this prophecy is about me, mm-hmm. you know. In your hearing, this prophecy has been fulfilled. How does he complete his ministry? Luke 24, the very last chapter of the book of Luke, he's, he's walking on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus and he shares with those two disciples, Cleopas and his friend, from the scriptures. He opened to them concerning himself from the scriptures. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he unpacked the scriptures? And just over and over again, Jesus immerses everything that he says and does through scripture. Mm-hmm. So that's the opposite to Babylon. Yes. And, um, and we know that. We also have the wise and the foolish man. Um, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27, Jesus said, you know, he who hears the word and does it is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Mm-hmm. And the fool, he obviously <laughs> doesn't build builds his house. Builds it on the sand. He builds on the sand, doesn't build his, his life on the word of God. Yep. So, so that's, um, that's, that's where the, the wine of Babylon um, help, you know, th- this, is, this is the wine of Babylon. The wine of Babylon is that which is contrary to the word of God, just mm-hmm. to keep it really, really simple. And, um, you know, Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them by thy word, thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, to, and Isaiah eight twenty, you know, to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. So we could go on and on. There are many scriptures regarding this. Mm. Very interesting. It once you um, put it in these words, because then it means that you know, just like when somebody is drunk, they can't walk a straight line. That's right. Like when we have drank drunk of the wine of Babylon, we can't discern right from wrong. Even like that's right. Our, our judgment is fuzzy. It's completely fuzzy, and um, and so remember the first angel's message: God's truth. Yes. Second that's angel- a sobering message, isn't it? Yeah, that's God's truth, the first angel's message. The second angel's message on Babylon that we're looking at today, Satan's, Satan's lies. lies. You need to be sober to discern them. Exactly right. So the only way that we can discern Satan's lies is to know God's truth. Mm-hmm. When you know God's truth, then you'll pick up Satan's lies for what they are. You'll be able to see them from a mile away. Be like, you know, how do you, how do you know whether a $20 note is a counterfeit or not? Got to know the truth. Exactly. If you know the uh, if you know the truth, then you'll then you'll pick up the counterfeit every single time. All right. So, is there anything else you wanted to ask on that, Sharice, or anything else um, you wanted to point out on that before we move on? Well, I guess you're probably going to unpack a little more some of the specifics of the wine. Oh, yes, we will. Yeah, we will when we get to the abominations. No, I'm happy um, with what you've shared. This yeah. is good. So here in Revelation 14, verse 8, coming back to it, a word that people just would just read over, wouldn't even think about. And that word is the word made. Mm. You know, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink. Mm-hmm. Made. This tells us. She's offered it to them all. She's offered it to them all. And this is a religious system, mm-hmm. as we discovered. You know, this is these are religious teachings that are being offered, um, or a religious system. So what we have here, and all the nations are involved, it appears from the text here and from the rest of Revelation that we've got the merger between church and state. You know, this this combination between church and state. And we're going to discover that that's literally what fornication is, mm-hmm. um, the merger between church and state. Now, it's interesting. 
um, what the book of Habakkuk, if you want to read that, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, what the prophet Habakkuk has to say about those who offer wine to their neighbor. All right. This is a hard book to find, but I had my computer. (laughs) (laughs) Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk that you may look on his nakedness. You are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you and utter shame will be on your glory. Mm. Doesn't sound good at all. No, it doesn't. So woe to the one who gives drink to his neighbor, speaking of alcohol. So woe to Babylon who is giving this wine to the nations of the world, making them drink. Mm. Okay, this, this is an interesting point regarding church and state uniting um, because we have that in the Old Testament. We've got, you know, in the time of Elijah, we've got Jezebel, the spiritual, uh, aligning itself with Ahab, the political, the spiritual and the political coming together to persecute Elijah and God's people. In the New Testament, we've got the religious establishment uniting with the Roman political establishment to put Christ on the cross. Mm-hmm. Then in the early church, we've got the Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities once again combining to persecute Christians. Mm. You know, you can read about that in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, where um, Herod, Herod um, kills James. And then he goes and he locks up Peter with the intention of killing Peter as well. But God miraculously through an angel saves his life mm-hmm. as the church is praying for him. And then it looks like in Revelation it happens again. Exactly. And down through the dark ages, the time. down through the dark ages, what do we have? We had church and state uniting. The church giving its authority and power. Sorry, the state giving its authority and power to the church. So the church using the the arm, the powerful arm, the political arm of the state in order to achieve its purposes. Mm -hmm. That's this union. That's this fornication. Mm. It's never good news for God's people. No, it's not good news. In all of those instances. No, it's not good news. And so um, we're going to come back to a scripture that makes that abundantly clear when the church and the state, when religion and the world come together and what that looks like. I can't wait. So we're going to listen to a beautiful song, Do Not Our Hearts Burn. And after that song, we will continue with unpacking this amazing truth. They walked along the road to disciples all alone. Master dead and gone. A man to them drew near, spoke to them and calmed their fears. They told him everything he said. Why don't you believe? For it was necessary for the Christ to 
great song about a great experience on the road to Emmaus. Did not our hearts burn within Amen. us while he talked Amen. on the way? Well, we are talking about the wine of Babylon here. Um, we are unpacking some in- incredible things. We've now identified what the wine is. Mm-hmm. It's putting tradition above the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, before we continue on that journey, I just want to remind our listeners today's prize giveaway. I know some people have already been winners, but there is a couple left. Uh, we have a book entitled The 666 Beast Identified. If you have an interest on what the Bible says about this number, the number of the beast, 666, you will want to know what's in this book, especially as we approach Earth's final crisis. Mm. This book will help you crack the code of understanding it so please text us the code word for today zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four the code word is truth if you text the word truth to that number and you're one of the first six people to do so this book is yours as a gift zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four the word is truth amen that is a really good book and so yeah that will help put a lot of pieces together Amen. All right, folk, we are halfway through this study. As I pointed out earlier, if this is the first time you are hearing this, you're most likely going to need to listen to this again. And the good news is you can. That's right. Just go to the Faith FM app, and yes. there it is for you to listen to for as, for as much as you need to. 
um, in order to in order to get it together. So um, it's really really important that we we go over these things more than once, mm. and all the pieces come together. Uh, Sharissa, mm-hmm. you know, all the different pieces come together little by little as we put the pieces together and it makes one big complete picture of truth mm. at the end of time. All right, so we've been taking a look at, um, you know, church and state uniting is how Babylon, this false system of worship, um, makes the entire world, you know, drunk with the wine of her fornication. So we're going to take a look at that. Now, um, when it comes to fornication, okay, uh, revelations were written in symbols and signs. And so fornication here needs to be interpreted based on what we understand fornication, spiritual fornication to mean in other scriptures. So the Bible interprets itself. You know, we don't need to sort of guess at what revelation here is speaking of. When God says, you know, uh, all nations have been made drunk with the wine of the wrath of a fornication, we don't need to do a poll or a vote or, you know, take a popular opinion vote. We ask the, the Bible to interpret itself. And so, I love that. And so in James chapter 4 and verse 4, we actually have a definition for spiritual fornication. Would you like to read that for us, please? Yes, the Bible says, Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Okay, so here we have spiritual adultery or spiritual fornication is when the world gets into bed with the church. That is an illicit relationship that is an inappropriate marriage in a spiritual sense. The church is to remain united and married to Christ. Mm. He's the groom. Mm. The church is the bride. Yes. She is to remain pure. There are two women in Revelation. There is the pure woman in Revelation chapter 12. She's a virgin. She's about to give birth. Well, she was a virgin. She well, she she, <laughs> she is, is a virgin. That that's speaking of obviously not 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 Mary, but speaking of the church because the church is a symbol of sorry, the woman is a symbol of the church, mm-hmm. and you have a harlot um, in Revelation seventeen, which we're going to get to in just a little bit. So fornication, in case some of our listeners may be wondering, fornication is different to adultery. Adultery is when you know you. You have inappropriate relations with someone who is not your husband or your wife if you are married. Mm-hmm. But fornication is two individuals who are not married and they are having inappropriate relations that belong only in a marital context. Mm-hmm. That's what fornication is. And so here we have this fornication taking place. It's, um, it's an inappropriate relationship, a completely inappropriate relationship between the world and the church. So... That's really, really important to understand. And this has happened down through history, as we've already pointed out. Um, various religions um, in the past, well, in the past, religion and government were together. You know, they, they, they were together. In the book of Daniel, you've got King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 3 erecting an image and calling on everyone to worship this image mm-hmm. in honor of the king of Babylon. Now, that's prescribing worship. Daniel chapter 6, we have the same as well. So we've got religion and politics mixing and merging and on the same page. Now let's take a look at this wine 
of Babylon, which also is referred to as the abominations of Babylon. Okay. So if you want to go to Revelation 17, yep. here we have a description of this harlot. So Revelation 17, if you would like to read from verse 1, and, um, and all the way to verse I guess six, and then we can we can take a look at it from there. All right, Revelation I'll put on, seventeen. I'll put on my dramatic voice. Oh, okay, this is amazing. This is a pretty stuff. dramatic passage. Pretty dramatic. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, "Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. There's our word, and the inhabitants of the earth made would made drunk with the wine of her fornication." It sounds like Revelation fourteen it verse eight. Sounds just like it. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication, and on her forehead a name was written, Mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Wow. So here we have, here we have a description of this woman. And you have here, as you rightly pointed out, you have uh, fornication mentioned. Mm-hmm. She committed fornication with the inhabitants of the earth. They were made drunk with the wine of her fornication, so it's mentioned twice. But also you have here that she has a golden cup full of abominations mm. that she's passing out to the nations of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so this cup that is full of abominations is the same as in Revelation fourteen eight, which her cup is filled with wine. Mm. So the wine of Babylon is her abominations. Mm. And that's interesting, isn't it? Those abominations are in a golden cup. Mm -hmm. It looks good, Mm -hmm. but it's deadly. Absolutely, absolutely. So this woman, she's a harlot, okay, and I think That should speak to her character already. That does speak to her character, so that's in a spiritual (laughs) sense. And whenever God uh, referred to his people um, as harlots, you know, his people Israel, it's because they went and sought to have um, inappropriate alliances with the other nations and other gods Mm -hmm. and so forth. When you have a look at that word abomination, it's it's an interesting word. I looked it up, and that word abomination only appears six times in the New Testament. Hmm. It appears um, twice here in Revelation 17, verses 4 and 5, as we've just read. It appears another time in Revelation 21, verse 27. And a couple, three more times, once in Revelation, sorry, once in Matthew 24, 15, where Jesus speaks of the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet in connection with the destruction of Jerusalem. It's repeated in Mark 13, verse 14, that same term, uh, the same passage quoted by Mark. And then in Luke 6, 16, verse 15, there Jesus says that the things that are highly esteemed among men are often an abomination in the sight of God. Mm -hmm. So this word abomination that appears six times in the New Testament, it's interesting that the first time it appears, Jesus connects it with the siege and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Hmm. 
Now, what was this abomination that Daniel speaks of in Daniel chapter 9 that would be standing in the holy place? I don't have time to unpack the entire passage from a historical point of view, but I'll just go you know, straight to the point, cut to the chase, as they say. The abomination of desolation that was set up in the holy place just outside Jerusalem were, were those Roman standards that the Roman um, army that encircled Jerusalem set up a short distance from the walls of Jerusalem that were sun-worshipping standards, had the eagle, the Roman eagle on there, which was their insignia, and they were sun-worshipping eagle standards, Mm -hmm. and they worshipped the sun, Mm -hmm. the Romans. So this tells us this will be repeated at the end of time. Interesting. So this will... This this will lead us at the end of the show. Make sure you don't go away because we're going to take a look at the ultimate abomination at the end of time that is described in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So these abominations, uh, everything and anything that is contrary to God's will and God's plan with the climax being at the end of time, which we have in the third angel's message as well, the mark of the beast is the climax abomination at the end of time that Babylon is feeding this drink, this wine, to all the nations. Mm. And all the nations are on the same page. Preparing them to participate. Exactly, exactly, one final time. So we're going to take a look at that. Now, it's interesting here. um, There's so much here in this passage, but we don't have time to unpack it all. This year is speaking of of, of the Roman papacy, Revelation 17, verses 1 to 6, this woman, this church, speaking of the Roman papacy. And this will be uh, Satan's uh, institution that he's going to utilize at the end of time in order to take on board the prerogatives that belong to God and God alone when it comes to worship. Because Revelation 13 is all about worship. And so this is describing this system that Satan will use. And we're not talking about the people. We're talking about the institution, the Roman papacy That's right. at the end of time. So, yeah, this is really, really interesting and really important. Now, um, an abomination, according to the dictionary definition, uh, Strong's, the biblical dictionary definition, is anything that's a foul thing, a a detestable thing, idols, things pertaining to idolatry, disgusting things um, (laughs) that, you know, unclean food, idols, mixed marriages, um, wickedness in the the broadest sense of the word. Yeah, and there's a whole bunch of Bible verses if people were to do like a concordant search um, where God helps you understand just what is an abomination. Like there's some of the things that he considers an abomination. Oh, there's heaps of them. There's like 117 references to the word abomination in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And so it ranges everything from inappropriate intimate relations um, to food, idolatry. to idolatry, to, you know, yeah, uh, a believer marrying an unbeliever mm-hmm. is idolatry. Sun worship. Sorry, uh, is an abomination. Sun worship, which we're going to get to in uh, our last talking section. Talking to the dead. Talking to the dead, that's an abomination before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a number of things. The first, time, the first time that word abomination appears, I discovered, really interesting, it's in Genesis 43, 32, where uh, Joseph tells his uh, brothers that 
you know, the, the Egyptians do not eat with the Hebrews because they consider it an abomination. <laughs> so because they were shepherds, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so the Egyptians would not eat together with, uh, with the Hebrews mm-hmm. because for them it was an abomination. That's the first time that that term appears. <laughs> so it's really, really fascinating. So uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a look at the climax of the abominations um, when we come back in our last section together. And if any folk have any questions, feel free to, feel free to, to share them and we'll look to do our best to answer as many of them as we can you know, in the section the last section that we'll have after the news. But, yeah, we're going to be taking a look at the very climax of the abominations at the end of time, and it's as clear as the nose on your face. It's just huge (laughs) and powerful. That sounds pretty clear. Well, we're looking forward to continuing that. that. That's not the abomination of desolation, is it? At the end of time. That's yeah. the one we're talking the, about? The end of time, the, big, the, big the one. biggest one. Yeah, the okay. biggest one. We haven't had time to look at all of them, but we're going to look at the big, big one at the end of time well, when we come back. Just everybody just needs to stay put. We're going to listen to a very wonderful song right now, and after that we'll have the news and we will continue with this story. So enjoy this. <laughs> Teaching me her pleasure-driven ways Have some fun Forget about tomorrow Live today Her music and her fashion Her Hollywood and passion Stimulate the flesh Just like wine all the while she pulls us all away from everything divine. But I have heard a voice calling me out of Babylon to a higher place. There's a mountain I can live upon. further to the soul Put religion on Never let the spirit have control She stands against revival The truth within the Bible Binding hungry hearts with chains of fear has made so clear But I have heard a voice calling me out of Babylon To a higher place There's a mountain I can live upon 
2 says, Babylon the great has fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. But verse 4 says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. Asking and wondering the question, is God going to come through with that salvation promise? Mm. For Abram, he could not care less about goods and chattels. Mm. All he cared about was the promised Messiah. That's right. That is what he cared about. Mm. And I think there's a lesson there for us. Where is our focus? Abram's focus was on the promised Messiah. Yep. God has come to him. He said, I'm your great shield. Abram has responded and he's like, God, if you are really there for me, what are you going to do about it? God, step up. Join us weekday mornings on The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Looking up, and we're coming to the the home stretch here of our program. And it's been so good that you've joined us. And by the way, again, the number to text in any comments or even text in the code word for today's pre free prize giveaway, if you're one of the first six people to do so, is zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. And today, the book that's up for grabs is the book entitled "The Six 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 Beast Identified." So please make use of that right now. Well, we'll we're, continue. The, we're continuing the final stretch. We've only got a few minutes left, so we're going to look to wrap up. We've been taking a look at the wine of Babylon and the abominations of Babylon and this church and state uniting at the end of time to enforce false worship and so on and so forth. So we've been taking a look at the second angel's message. Now, what's in that cup, you know, mm. those abominations? There's, there are many, many lies, Satan's lies in that cup um, that have been passed on uh, to Christians mm-hmm. from the Church of Rome. Traditions. Um, traditions and so forth. So I've just got a partial list here that I've put together 
Charissa, if you'd like to read that partial list. All right, the partial list says, so these are abominations, tradition instead of truth. We've talked about that. The immortality of the soul. Mm-hmm. Eternal hellfire. It's not biblical. Infant baptism. The Pope as God on earth. The priest and forgiveness. Image worship and the union of church and state. Mm, that's just a partial list, isn't it? There is. There's a lot more you there could There is so much there. more. Now, let's go to the climax of the abominations of Babylon, especially at the end of time. This is just huge. So if you want to go to Ezekiel chapter 8, so if our listeners would like to join us and go to Ezekiel chapter 8, we're not going to read the entire chapter here, but I'm just going to set it up with what's taking place. I'd encourage you to do that um, in your own time. But here we have Ezekiel the prophet. He receives a vision whilst he is in Babylon. So this is before before Jerusalem was completely destroyed in 586 BC because Jerusalem was first of all um, besieged in 605 BC. That's when Daniel and his friends were taken captive. Then 597 BC was the next time um, when King Nebuchadnezzar came through. And then the last time was 586 BC when the temple was destroyed and um, that was the end of Jerusalem. Now, so this is before 586. This is between 597 BC and 586 BC. Ezekiel is there in Babylon and God gives him a vision. And in this vision, God shows him what's happening back home in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. In particular, what's happening in the temple. And there's a word here that is used, which is the word abominations. So, if you want to read, just we'll read the first abomination here. If you want to read verse 5, this is Ezekiel 8, verse 5 and verse 6. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north, and there north of the altar gate was this image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what you are, what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. Okay, so that's the first one. Then there's a second abomination, um, which we won't take the time to read from verses 7 to 13. Then there is a third abomination when God says, hey, turn again and you'll see an even greater abomination. That's between verses 14 and 15, the third abomination. And then we get to the climax of all the abominations, the fourth and final abomination. So if you want to read it, from verse 16 and verse 17. All right. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they were worshipping the sun toward the east. Mm-hmm. That's a greater abomination than the ones before. This is the climax of all the abominations. Mm. Then read verse 17. And he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a trivial thing to the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence. Then they have returned to provoke me to anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Okay, wow. And then just read verse 18. Therefore I also will act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. So that's the end of the abominations. This is the climax of the abomination. What are they doing? 
These are the religious leaders. They have their backs towards the temple mm-hmm. and their faces towards the east where the sun is coming from. And it very clearly says they are worshipping the sun god towards mm-hmm. the east. Now, what happens in Ezekiel chapter 9 is there is a sealing that takes place. An, an angel with an ink horn comes through and seals all those who are weeping because of the sins that are being committed in Jerusalem. And sadly, those that are participating in this abomination, this abomination of sun worship, which is a climax of all the different abominations that have been mentioned previously uh, when it comes to idolatry um, and others that God here shows Ezekiel, they sadly, those who are participating, will be lost. And this exact picture happens in Revelation. In Revelation, we've really? got the mark of the beast oh, yes. and the seal of God. The group that remains in Babylon, they partake of her abominations, of her wine. They are one with her, and they will ultimately be destroyed with Babylon. They will wow. ultimately be destroyed. They'll be lost. Whereas those who come out of Babylon, those who come they're out... They're sober, they're vigilant. They're sober, they're vigilant. <laughs> They have accepted the truth of God. They've made a a choice to stand for God. They Mm. will be spared. God will seal them. They'll be protected just as those in Ezekiel's day were protected. Mm -hmm. So too God will protect his people at the end of time who will be sealed and who will not receive those seven last plagues, which are in connection with the with the mark of the beast. Those who receive the mark of the beast will also receive the seven last plagues. Those who receive the seal of God will not be able to buy and sell, which we're going to look at in our upcoming messages when we deal with the third angel's message. They will not be able to buy and sell. However, they will receive the protection of God and they'll go through those seven last plagues unharmed, protected by God. Wow. And that is why it says in Revelation 18, verse 4, if you'd like to read that, please, Revelation 18, verse 4. I love this verse. The Bible says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, that is Babylon, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. There you go. So God is calling his people to come out, to, to come away from, from, from these lies, instead to follow the truth. That's, that's real love right there. Yeah. Like God didn't have to do that. No. He could have let people... Just be in Babylon and do whatever they want. We could have. Has but God, he, he cares. Yeah, absolutely. Has God in the past given a warning in order yes. to save people? Yes. Think of Noah. Yeah, absolutely. How long did he preach for? 120 years. Yeah. Come out of the rain, come into the boat. Yeah. <laughs> and what about Lot? What about Lot? Mm. Yeah, before... Get out of Sodom. Yeah, before the city was destroyed, God gave, a, gave an invitation. Um, through Lot that's and true. the angels. This, that's so true because, you know, Babylon has fallen. It's an evacuation mm. call, but like you just said, it's an invitation, yeah, which is good yeah. news. And it's interesting, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be in the days when Jesus comes. Mm. How many messengers <laughs> came to Abraham? Firstly, three. three yeah. One was Jesus Christ that Abraham was negotiating with regarding the, you know, God sparing you know, the city of Sodom. That was really the pre-incarnate Christ who he was referring to. The other two mm-hmm. were angels. So, and then, then of course, so we've got, got three angels in Revelation 14. And angels leading Lot and his family out by the hand. By the hand. Yeah, yeah leading them out. So it's interesting. Those, those Old Testament stories are, are, are incredible comparisons. Now, yes. it's interesting in Revelation 17 what it says at the end of time. If you want to read verses 12 to 14, Revelation 17 verses 12 to 14. All right. The Bible says, 
The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Mm, Okay. So here we have, at the end of time, the Bible describes these ten kings, which is the kingdoms of the world. You know, this is all the nations, ten being an inclusive number for the entire world. Ten kings who give their authority and their power to the beast, which is the Roman papacy. So the Roman papacy is leading the charge at the end of time. Babylon is centered in the Roman papacy and its work and ministry at the end of time. Connections with the entire world. And they have power for one hour, which is a short space of time. They're of one mind, so they're all on the same page. They make war with God and his people. That's part of that final conflict in Revelation 13, the mark Mm -hmm. of the beast and the seal of God. Mm -hmm. And those who remain faithful to God are described here as chosen and faithful. They will war against the lamb and his people. The lamb is Jesus Christ. They will war against the lamb and his people, but they will not overcome the Lamb and His people, mm. the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and His faithful people who are sealed at the end of time, who have the seal of God, will go through to eternity. Wow. I love that. It says the Lamb will overcome them. Mm. And we, if we're with Him, we overcome in His yeah, victory. if we're with the Lamb, we overcome. Beautiful. That's why we need Christ. So Christ is at the very center of this powerful message. So bad news that wine has been offered to the world, <laughs> and it's bad. Good news is that God is calling his people to turn away from the wine absolutely. and come into his wonderful truth. Absolutely, absolutely. And just in case some of our listeners are not really quite sure whether the Roman papacy is um, is in bed, if I can use that very sort of uh, very blunt term, with the political leaders of this world, um, with big tech, with big business, um, all you need to do is just go on the internet, which I've done, go to Google Images and just type in, you know, Pope and world leaders, Pope and business leaders, Pope and, you know, climate change leaders, Pope and big tech, you know, you name it. And there are pictures of Pope Francis and, and others, but in particular Pope Francis meeting with the various political religious leaders from around the world. Um, He's at the center of peace negotiations often. He's at the center of the climate change um, push. He's at the center of ending world poverty, ending world slavery. You name it, he's at the very center of that. And, um, And he's seen as the glue that is seeking to bring the world together in a place where there'll be, you know, peace and harmony and unity and equality for all. Mm. So, so it's really fascinating. So what we read here in Revelation 17 is literally on the front pages of Google Images and Google. It's right there. You know, if John could be alive today to see these things playing out, oh. he when he saw when he saw it in vision, like in all the symbolism, it says that he marveled with great amazement. Mm. He'd never seen anything like it. And look, look, if he could see it playing out in in literal oh, wow. time today. Literal. He would be amazed yeah. still, as we all are. It's just amazing to see how God's word is right on 
uh, with what's happening in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so we can clearly see what God here has said, and um, and so God, in His love, is calling us out. You know, He's saying Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That first fall happened during those twelve hundred sixty year period during that papal supremacy. But sadly, the second fall has taken place when, sadly, the Protestant churches have walked away from God's truth. That is the second fall, and at the end of time, God is saying, "I'm trying to pull out everyone who is willing." Protestants, Roman Catholics, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, New Ages, atheists. It matters not to God who you are. God loves you. God wants to save you. And God is inviting as many as are willing to come out of Babylon and to be saved in the New Jerusalem. Mm, amen. That uh, reminds me of a lady, her name's Cherie Peters, and she has this saying, she says, God is crazy about you. <laughs> he <laughs> loves you that much. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Danny, for leading us in that Bible study. I'm looking forward to where we head next week. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But before we do, we're going to listen to a song from Carolyn Cobb. It's called Who Is this Jesus. And so enjoy this song and we will continue with a few final comments after it. I saw his face shine like the sun on the mountainside. Elijah and Moses were there, pale in his glorious light. And a voice came like thunder, and I trembled all over, said this, my beloved child, who is this Jesus but the Son of God? I saw him walk on the waves, I saw him still the storm, I saw the demons afraid, but the children safe in his arms, he said Lazarus rise up, wake from your sleep, and his dead heart started to Jesus, but the Son of
So good to have everybody joining us for today's Bible study on the wine of Babylon. We hope that it's been a blessing to you. And before we wrap this program up, Pastor Danny, I'd like to give you the opportunity to share some final thoughts, uh, some, summative thoughts. Some final thoughts. Well, today's message is a, is a, is a pretty heavy message, um, and it's there, given to us by God in the book of Revelation, the second angel's message. Ultimately, if... If, if you're not quite sure about some of the things that we've talked about, the bottom line is you don't want to be in Babylon. And Babylon is, is literally made up of everything that is against God's plan and will for your life. Mm. God's plan and will for your life is found in his word. Jesus Christ said, I have come that they may have life, that they may have life to the fullest. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow my way. Follow the truth. Follow the path and you will find peace and happiness and joy and ultimately salvation. Mm-hmm. And so Satan, through this system called Babylon, is trying to take us away from what God's plan is for us in the here and now as well as for eternity. And so I want to encourage our listeners, Sharissa, just to spend more time with Jesus. Spend yes. time in his word. Spend time in prayer or if we remain close to Christ, if we remain in his word, if we remain on our knees, there is no way in the world we will be intoxicated with the wine of Babylon, with 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 Satan's wine that he wants to deceive us and ultimately destroy us. Mm, amen. So Jesus is the answer. He's the key. And we need to keep looking up because unless we do, unless we do, we are sitting ducks for the enemy. And this message is designed to be serious and sober and uh, very forthright and to shake us and to wake us from any illusion that we may have that, yeah, we can sail through these final end days before Jesus comes, you know, without a worry. No, Mm -hmm. we need to be with Christ 100% of the time. I love it. And you know what? It would be good for us, all of us, to really take some quiet time just to Mm -hmm. be alone with Jesus, to be alone in prayer and just say, Lord, is there any wine that I'm enjoying from Babylon Mm. in my life? Because take it from me. Help me to give give me a love for your truth over and above, you know, my ideas even, my opinions or the opinions of those around me. Help me to put you first. Uh, That would be a really good thing for us each to do now. Alone time with the Lord. Absolutely. And, I mean, Jesus offered his disciples that sweet cup of the grape, the unfermented grape at the communion table. And so that's what Jesus offers us, the sweetness of his truth. And um, just one final scripture before you wrap up, Sharissa. In John 10, verse 16, Jesus said, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So those who are genuinely um, wanting to follow Christ, they will hear the voice of Christ, the good shepherd, they will recognize it as his voice because they've been spending time in his word 
in prayer and in sharing that and they will follow him. Mm. And there will be one flock and one people. Amen. God's way is such a beautiful way and so attractive and we pray that you'll take him up on his invitation. Amen. Uh, Would you like to close in prayer for us? Love to. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much for this message that you've given to us. It's a warning. It's a warning given in love because you want us to be saved. You don't want us to be deceived. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for the truth that sets us free in Jesus. May we stick close to him. May we spend time in his word. May we be may we be on our knees and may we be sharing this message of hope and love and truth with those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us and we look forward to having your company this time next week. As we continue, we're going to move to the third angel's message next week. You you need to be here. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. So we look forward to that. And remember, fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always looks up. So keep looking up and may God bless you. We'll see you and have you then. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain. Deep in your heart Keep looking up Don't give up Don't give up Should the tears begin to start With a prayer All your cares He will cast Into the depths of the sea His love is